Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you made it out today. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here at Rise and so glad that uh, uh, you're here with us, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest, uh, my prayer is that you would come back at least three times. I always invite you to come back three times. And here's why. I know that when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. You know, it's kind of a unique season. And so I just want to give everybody an opportunity to come back, check us out a few times, and hopefully we'll be your spiritual family. I also want to uh, let everybody know that a right now, since you are watching online, uh, we love for you to share. Please hit that share button and let everybody know that you're with us and let them know you're at church if you're sitting in here today. We have some families in here and some leaders in here. We're learning, we're training, we're kind of getting better. So for our uh, services, uh, public services that are going to be opening up next week on June 7th, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. And uh, we're excited today because we get to uh, continue uh, our series called Happiness Is. Happiness Is. And the reason we wanted to do that as a church is because we know, man, hey, it's hard in normal terms. Like, isn't it true? Usually it's difficult to find our ways to be happy when things are normal. When life is normal, our routines are regular, our things are... But man, during a pandemic, during some pretty crazy times in our society, it's now even harder, it seems, to find happiness. And so we wanted to talk about that because Jesus talked about it. In fact, he cared so much that when he started the Sermon on the Mount, his probably most famous sermon ever, uh, when he was preaching, he started his sermon with a poem on happiness, believe it or not. Um, most people call it the Beatitudes, or there's statements that start with the word blessed. Well, the word blessed there in the Greek is makeros, and it means happy. And so Jesus is literally saying, if you want to be happy, try to do these things, because it'll ultimately bring happiness that's not fleeting or temporary or outside or based on circumstances. You'll find happiness in your soul. And so we're going to read it. We're going to go back and just go through some of the weeks. I highly encourage you to check out the podcast or YouTube. You can go back and watch the video or listen. Uh, and first part of happiness is, and uh, we'll just read some of the scriptures starting in verse three, chapter number five in Matthew. It says, blessed, everybody say blessed. Blessed or happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, which was last week. We talked blessed for the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And today, our sermon that we're going to talk about, the backdrop of our message as Jesus has spoke about it, is blessed are the pure. Everybody say pure. Pure, pure in heart. For they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. An incredible message that Jesus brings to us. We're going to break that down today. If you're taking notes, the title of my message for today is Keeping It 100. Keeping It 100. That's going to be the title of my message today if you're taking notes, and hopefully you are. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I'm just so honored today to preach your word and speak on your behalf. What an amazing privilege I have every time I walk on this platform. I'm humbled that I get to do it. Never take it for granted. And I just pray that you would give me the words to speak with, uh, with care and with love and with passion and with your truth. And Holy Spirit, do what only you can do, God, because you have notes uh, to say to us, to share with us, so that we could be better uh, as people, Lord, people of God. Pray that you would do these, all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Um, I don't know if you're anything like me. But uh, I, I, every time I hear the word pure in heart, you know, like pure in heart, I always uh, think of this thing. This is what I always think of. I always think of Disney. I always think of this logo because I always think like anytime somebody says pure of heart, think about it. Like no one walks around and goes, are you pure of heart? Like no one says that. But I, I noticed that like what I hear that the most or maybe even the theme of that the most is inside Disney movies. Isn't it true? You always hear it kind of like, and this is how you hear it, Like if you're pure in heart, 
and you have good intentions. And if you're a good person, then Prince Charming is going to come and save you from the dragon, right? Like you're going to do well. Like your your princess will appear as that of the you know smoke and doves will fly out and she will appear and you will be happy. I like it. they always end. It's always like this, right? Because it's story. It's story tale. It's it's this it's this fantasy world that says if you're pure in heart, you will live. Come on, y'all know this. Say this with me happily, right? You will live happily ever after. Like you will have the best. You will be happy if you're pure in heart. Is that what you? Jesus was saying like I was like God is that what you were like were you like the original Disney like was that what you were trying to say to us and if you go back and look at it pure in heart in verse 8 we'll put it back up so Jesus said blessed or happy are those who are pure in heart for they will see God the word pure there in the Greek is uh, as a unique word it's actually the word katharos katharos everybody say that they say katharos and it means this it means to be clean to be clear or to be unmixed, like to not be mixed in your, your words, in your actions, to not be duplicitous. Do you see what I'm saying? Like to not be um, two-faced is maybe a good way. Y'all ever heard that? Like, oh, they're two-faced as a per To not say one thing and, and do Another, maybe the best way to say it is that, is that when you're pure in heart, we say what we do, and then we, come on, we, we, we do what we say, right? Like, we, we actually find ourselves being pure when we, we don't have unmixed motivations. Thousands of years ago, um, the Greek society... Uh, would put on these famous plays. We even learn about them now. Um, you know, Homer and the Iliad and, um, you know, Odyssey. And, and, and it's all done by Plato and Socrates. You know, we learn about them now even in, in school. And what they used to do with these plays during that, that time period was they would send out an actor and he would put out a mask. And he would put the mask on and play a role. And what they would do is they would have that actor, that same actor, that same person, go to the back, get a new mask, come back out, play a different role. And he would do that multiple times throughout the play. They would call them hypocrites. They would call them hypocrites. And we get that word uh, hypocrite. You ever heard that word hypocrite? They, they get that word from the, that Greek word, which meant you were multi-faced and you, were, you, were, you, were, you, you did not, you were not the same person all the time. You are a multi-faced actor. Come on. You, you were duplicitous. You were not pure. And Jesus was saying, if you're pure, if you're catharos, you can literally be, what he was saying was, if you learn to be pure, a person of integrity, then, then, then you will actually see God. Now, I don't know if you've ever had this struggle before where you don't feel like you don't feel him. Anybody ever had that? Like where you feel like, man, I just, I'm far from God. I feel like I don't feel him. You typically can't feel God because when you can't see God, when you're not close to God. Have you ever been to a, um, a sporting event? Like a major sporting event, you know, this is before it shut down. You maybe went to a major league baseball game or a major league football game or a basketball game. And, and how many of y'all know the experience is different when you sit in the cheap seats and the nosebleeds where they give those tickets away, right? 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? And then when you can sit, if you've sat close to the court and the sweat flew off the guy and you hit your face, you were never grossed out by it. You know, this is like pre-COVID, obviously, you know? And you're like, oh, man, that's awesome. You, like, didn't wash your face for, like, a week, you know? And, and or you, the blood flew into your, your face or you're on your arm. You're like, I got a bloody shirt from the guy, you know? You're so close where you can feel the... Come on, how many of y'all know, <laughs> like... The experience is different. I remember seeing one of my favorite, last year I got to go to uh, uh, one of my favorite football players uh, is Drew Brees, and I'm, I'm a Saints fan. And so I got up close, and, and I remember getting up close to him and actually being on the field, and I got him to sign my jersey. How many of y'all know that experience was different than the one where I'm sitting on my couch watching him on a screen? Like, that's different, right? When I'm close to him, I've noticed this. The closer I was to Drew, not sitting in the cheap seats, the closer I was to him, the more I experienced him. Come on. And if you struggle to experience God, Jesus was saying our purity, our integrity will actually draw us closer to him so that we can experience him. That if you're missing out on feeling God, it could be your purity that you have to struggle with. Your integrity. Are you duplicitous in where you and who you are? Proverbs chapter 11 maybe says it best. Says it, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights those in those who live with integrity. The Lord detests people. Now that first part, detests, is an interesting word. That Lord, the Lord detests people who have perverse hearts, perverse there or, or crooked there. Crooked hearts means perverse. And you just so you know, perverse doesn't just mean like, like when we think perverse, we think like, oh, like a sexual perversion. Perversion is a tool of the enemy. Because he cannot create, he can only pervert things. So he takes what God creates and he perverts it. He flips it on its head. His strategy in the world, especially right now, is that you would think good things are evil. We're talking about perverting. And that you would think evil things are good. I'll give you an example. God created human life, period. He created them in the image and likeness of him, period. He loves all people, period. The enemy comes in and perverts that idea and says, well, he only, he only loves and he only values certain kinds of people that look a certain way. That's not true. And so what you see now is a result in our society, a perversion of God's word that is inaccurate because he has come in and said there are only segments and only certain kinds of people who have value. It's not true. It's not biblical. The Lord detests it. And if you don't detest it, you need to find out what kind of banner you're waving. You need to figure out what kind of God you're serving. Because the God that we serve, the God of the Bible, Yeshua, detests those with perverse and crooked ways who walk around with the banner of the of the enemy. You have to be a Christian in more places than the church. You can't say you love God and his ways and then walk out of the church and be somebody completely different. We're talking about, come on, not a hypocrite, not duplicitous. You have to be pure, a person of integrity. You can't say oh, you're a Christian and not have your heart broken when someone dies. It should hurt us. It's just the way that it is. God cares about people. And if you feel like you're far from God, the question you should ask yourself is, where do I lack integrity? Where am I not pure? Jesus says in summary, blessed are those who live with integrity, for they will experience the fullness of God. That's really what that means.
Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who live with integrity. Well, they will experience the fullness. The fullness of God. Now, why would that be important? Two byproducts, two blessings of integrity if you're taking notes. One of the main reasons you should do it is that it brings security, number one, as a blessing of integrity. It brings security. I like what Proverbs chapter 10 says. It says, whoever walks in integrity. Everybody say integrity. Come on, this is important. Whoever walks with integrity, who's not duplicitous, who, 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 who is not perverse, who's not crooked, whoever walks with integrity, walks securely. There's an interesting story about the, the, um, the Great Wall of China. I'll give you some statistics on it. It's 25 feet tall, 30 feet wide at its base. It's 4,000 miles long. It's one of the only man-made objects that you can actually see from space. How many of y'all know that's big, right? Pretty amazing, pretty awesome. It's never been conquered over the wall. The wall's never been overtaken by an army. Yet, China was invaded three times during the time when the Great Wall of China actually mattered. Three times. And you look back on it and you're like, how? Like, how on earth was it invaded? Well, if you go back and look and study history, the way that the invading armies would do it is they would just bribe the guards of the gate. You don't have to get over something if you can get through it. And the only thing you can point back to the hole in the wall in the security of the nation was all coming down to the lack of integrity of one person. Integrity is incredibly valued to our security. And you all know, we've all had this moment where we maybe cheated the system a little bit. You didn't get to the place that you got because you kind of cut corners and you didn't do it all the right way. And then you're sitting there and you're freaked out that it's going to be taken from you. Somebody's going to find out. Come on, y'all remember? Not just me. You remember. Come on. Okay, other churches. All right, so we all remember other people. And you had that moment where you felt nervous because you know you shouldn't be there because you didn't get there in the right way. And your security is taken from you because that's the way that the enemy infiltrates your life. Integrity keeps us where our talent and our anointing gets us. When you cut corners and you cheat people, and you don't live with integrity, it, put holes, it puts holes in our life that allows the enemy to come in and steal what you got. Number two is this, second blessing of integrity is legacy. I like what Proverbs says here. This is important. It says, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow after them. Blessed are their children who follow after them. When you live a life of integrity, it brings legacy. Now, the question you have to ask yourself, and this is important. Now, listen, if you checked out, check back in. If you're online or whatever you're going, I want you to check it. Like, pay attention. One day you won't be here. I checked the statistics. One out of every one person dies. It's true. One day you're not going to be here. And your kids are going to be asked about you. They're going to have a counselor, probably. They're hopefully going to have a pastor. They're hopefully going to have some friends. Here's what's funny. They're going to tell stories about you. What are they going to say? They're going to speak at your funeral, probably. What would they say? Are they going to say, wow, man, you know, dad used to just steal things all the time. Mom cheated the system every time she could. I mean, they didn't live with much integrity. I mean, I, I'm talking about legacy here, right? That's important. You're not going to be able to tell your story forever. Someone else is going to tell your story. 
What are you leaving for your kids? There was a young Jewish boy who grew up in Germany. He loved his dad, loved his family. And um, they were very religious. They went to the synagogue regularly, daily. And um, the story says that that when he became a teenager, his dad moved his family to a different part of Germany, a different town that um, was primarily Lutheran. And um, when you moved to the town, they figured out that all the powerful, rich, influential people were Lutherans. So his dad comes home one day and says, hey, we're, we're not going to be Jewish anymore. We're going to be Lutheran because if I'm not Lutheran, then I won't make any money. It's a true story. And uh, the story goes on to say, Uh, this is what happened. When the stunned family asked why we're not going to be Lutheran, the father explained that it would be good for his business. And the youngster was bewildered and confused. His deep disappointment soon gave way to anger and the kind of intense bitterness that plagued him throughout his life. Later, he learned he left Germany and went to England to study. Each day found him at the British Museum formulating his ideas and composing a book. In that book, he introduced a whole New worldview and conceived a movement that was designed to change the world. This is important. Listen, check this out. Labeling any type of religion as the, quote, opiate of the masses. He influenced the people who followed him to a life without God. Everybody say without. Yeah, without God. His ideas became the norm for the governments of almost half of the world's population. His name, Karl Marx, the founder of the communist movement. His belief systems, his way of living, his bitterness, his anger, his stories he told came from the lack of integrity that his father had. Not standing up for what he believed in. Persuaded. Was mixed in motivations. Come on. Was mixed in words. Was mixed in actions. Was not pure. Did not have integrity. So if there are blessings to integrity, inherent blessings to integrity, if there is moments in our life where we need to feel the blessing, and we want to find happiness, we need to know how to be people of integrity. So in the time I have left, I'm going to give you just a few ways to live a life of integrity, to be a person of integrity. We're talking about practicals here. Like, okay, pastor, I want to be a person of integrity. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Number one, uh, I'm going to actually walk through Psalms chapter 15. Psalms chapter 15 is widely regarded to most theologians and uh, scholars as the book, or really the characteristics, a list of characteristics of how to live a life of integrity. And I'm going to read it for you quick. We'll read it real, real quick. It says, Lord, may who may I dwell? Who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The ones who walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor. Come on, somebody who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. And finally, whoever does these things will never be shaken. You want to find happiness, live a life of integrity. This is how you do it. Number one, be authentic with others. This is what I call interpersonal integrity. Having interpersonal integrity, being authentic with others. He, I like what Proverbs, uh, Psalms chapter 15, verse 2, it says, he who speaks, come on, he who speaks the truth from their heart, who lives the truth from their heart, they live by principle and not by proximity. They are the same person around whoever they're around. Now, you all know those people. I call them chameleons. No matter who they're around, they change. Their, they, come on, color, they, they change. If I'm around a Christian, I'm a Christian. If I'm not around, if I'm around non-Christians, I'm not really a Christian. 
that they change on a regular basis depending on their environment that they're in. And the Bible says that if you learn to speak the truth from love, that you have a truth in your heart and you speak from your heart, which means you, you, you act out of principle and not proximity, that you can actually lead people and be an influence for good and an influence because you're being led and you're by, by the spirit and you are a leader for the spirit and not being led by your followers on social media. That, that you lead people who follow you, you aren't led by those who you follow. You're not led and swayed by every social media post that comes up. And you and I are inundated as we flick the screen and as it swipes up. And every time you swipe that screen up, you get a new set of information that majority of the time doesn't even really exist in truth. And you see it and then you let it digest into your spirit. And now you're being led by the same people you're supposed to lead. And you're influenced and you're pulled to whatever side has the best post and the most intriguing post and the most influential post and the post that has the most views and the most likes. You now are that person. You're not being pure. You're being led by your proximity and not by your principles. And the Bible says if you want to live a life of integrity, speak truth from your heart, be a man or a woman, a principle, questions you should ask yourself could be. Could be these, could be, am I the same person with everyone? I want you to ask yourself this. This is, this is going to be a message that's going to probably mess with you a little bit. It messed with me all week. It's like, oh, man, I don't do that. Oh, I need to work on that. Oh, man, I got to help. Like, are you a person, come on, that's the same with everyone? Do I change with who I'm around? Do my values or environment dictate who I am? Which one is it? Are you principle driven or are you proximity driven? Are you a Christian only around Christian people or are you Christian all the time? That was good. I am in myself. Number two, by refusing to gossip. We're talking about how to be a person of integrity. You need to be, by one of the ways you could do that, refuse to gossip. I call this uh, relational integrity, that you have integrity with people you are in relationship with. I like what Psalms chapter 15, verse 3 says, whose tongue utters no slander. And we do this like, well, here's how we do this. We Even Christians, we kind of try to get away with this. We feel like we can find Christian loopholes. And here's how we do it. We get in a circle. We hold hands and we say, we need to pray for Susie. And people are like, well, well that inevitably leads to why. And then they go, oh, well, let me just tell you, girl, what happened. Hmm? Did you see that this happened? But we should pray for her, right? Like we should need to pray for her. Now that's gossip. She didn't give you permission to put herself on front street. And now it's out in the open and you gossiped about it and it's wrong. And now she can't trust you because you were not pure in your motivations. You didn't live with integrity. It's gossip. And our society has normalized gossip just so that you know. Again, going back to social, there's nothing wrong with social media. There's nothing inherently evil about it. Let me just tell you how people use it is wrong sometimes. We have normalized it by saying it's okay to post about people without their consent. It's okay to post about people who did not tell you that it was okay. And you're like, well, no, I didn't put their name in it. It's still wrong. I'm going to tell you something, and this is going to hurt, all right? I'm going to tell you what gossip is. Gossip is ungodly, period. It's ungodly. Stop talking about people. Close your mouth. 
I love you. Christian group hug. But shh. Some of the best things you can do is speak less. Just so you know, when you are gossiping about other people in front of other people, they're wondering if you do the same thing with others. And they're like, man, I, she's talking about this person right now. I, I better keep my... I'm not telling her nothing. It's coming out like that. No, uh, 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 uh. And then you wonder why people don't ever tell you nothing. No one, y'all never get invited to the barbecue. Well, because you don't know how to be quiet. And it's not their fault. It's yours. Questions to ask. Questions to ask. Can you be trusted with relationships? Can you? Can, can you be truly trusted with your relationships? Do people trust you with their friendship? Can people trust you to hold their lives with integrity? Do you speak about others? Come on, behind their backs. You should ask. I would go to ask someone, go ask a close relationship and just ask them and say, hey, do, do you notice me gossiping at all? And then don't defend yourself. Just be quiet and say, thank you for telling me the truth. Amen. Number three, uh, by keeping your promises, by keeping your promises. We're talking about how to live a life of integrity, be a person of integrity. You need to keep your promises. This is what I call verbal integrity. This is going to be verbal integrity. Psalms chapter 15, verse four. Uh, the person who keeps an oath, even when it hurts. Ouch. This used to be a virtue. Um, you ever heard that statement? Your word is your bond. You ever heard that? Remember that? Well, I grew up thankful. My dad always taught me. I, think he, I remember him telling me regularly, like, if you, you need to be a man of your word. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And, and, and now we live in a society that actually celebrates a lack of verbal integrity. When you don't do live up to something that you want, you, people celebrate it. Or something that you said you were going to do, people celebrate it because they, they think that you're being independent. No, you're not being independent. You're being ridiculous. You're being mixed. You're being crooked. You're not having pure and living a life of integrity. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. Now, I'm, I'm going to, if I haven't offended you yet, to, this is going to be the point. I'm just telling you. This is a serious issue in the Bible because people laugh it off. I'm just always late. You know, it's no big deal. Wrong. This is a serious issue in the Bible. I'm going to read a great proverb in, in, in chapter 25. It says, a person who promises a gift. Now, you can't promise something without being verbal about it, okay? So a person who promises a gift, who makes a promise, makes an oath, says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to be somewhere. I'm going to act some way. I'm going to have something. I'm going to do something. Who makes a promise a gift but doesn't give it is like clouds and wind that bring no rain. Now, clouds and wind that bring no rain is incredibly hurtful. It's like when you have no rain, it means people in this society, when they put this out, when this would be written, it would mean a cloud that bring no rain would mean people don't eat. When you break a promise, you don't just break a promise, you break people. And so if you are habitually late and you laugh it off, it's not a joke. You are the joke. Sorry. Just is what it is. 
And don't complain about you not having relationships and never getting invited anywhere because you are constantly late. No one wants to trust me. No one invites me to help out. No one wants me to do it. It's because you show up an hour late every time we need you. You weren't there when you said you were going to be. I'm relying on you. I'm trusting in you. You said you used a verbal promise to me and your integrity is now lacking because you did not show up. It's true. It's a big deal, and you're breaking people every time you break your word. If you are a Christian, can I make a plead with you? If you're a Christian and you're always late, stop telling people you're a Christian because that's not godly. That's not godly. It's not. It's a big deal. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you don't do that, stop calling yourself a Christian. It's not who you are. You're not acting it out. You're only that in theory. You hope to be one day. But you don't do it. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you say you're going to act a certain way, act that certain way. If you say you're going to give something, give something. Be a person of integrity. It'll bring blessing to your life. You will be happy. Questions to ask. Can my word be trusted? Are you a man or woman of your word? Do I do what I say? Think about that. You, these are questions maybe to ask somebody else, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe a coworker. Do people joke about the fact that you just, you know, you, you have issues, like you don't always act with integrity? Do they joke about it? It's not funny. It's not a laughing matter. It's a big deal to God, and it should be a big deal to you. Number four is this. I know that hurt a lot of people's feelings. Number four, uh, by doing best at my work. We're talking about how to be a person of integrity. To do best at my work. I, I, this is what I call business integrity. Is If you have a job, and you're working, and you work for someone, you need to do the best that you can and live a life with business integrity. Verse five says this. says, who lends money to the poor without interest. This is a business transaction. The way you conduct business in your workplace, in our workplace, absolutely matters, and it is not okay if you're known as the guy or girl that always cuts corners. It's not okay. Just so you know, it's only a secret to you. <laughs> Typically. You think you're getting over on people. Your boss knows. Your coworkers know. If you're the person who always goes late, always shows up and always leaves a little bit early, and you're not giving your full 100% to your job, you're not living with business integrity. I'm just telling you. If you don't live up to the standards with which your hire, your employment hired you for, you're not living with integrity. You're creating a hole in your life for the enemy to come in and steal what is yours. And we need to take our job seriously. And I'm just telling you, you might be climbing that corporate ladder, but if you climb it with integrity, it might be slower, but you'll actually stay where you get. And you might see people run by you by cutting corners and run by you by cheating the system and run by you by being ugly to people. And let me just tell you, they get to the top really quick, but they lose it just as fast. You all know that person. It could be you. You know that. Live a life of integrity because when you finally get to where God got you and where integrity brought you and where your talent got you, it'll keep you there. Questions to ask yourself when it comes to business integrity is, are you always cheating the systems at work? Are you? Honestly. Do you take sick days when you shouldn't? You ain't really sick. Come on. Come on. Do, do you do things at your job? Do you, do you take advantage of the system? Every, every workplace is a system. Do, have you figured out the rules and you're cheating in just a little bit? I'm telling you, there are little holes in your wall. Number two is this. Do your clients know you to be trustworthy? I'm, this is important for business. I'm just telling you. Like I'm willing to pay more money to some place that I can trust. 
It matters. It matters. Are you honoring your boss doing your very best? And finally, as I wrap up, as I close today, I'm closing with this. I can't talk about integrity without talking about money. Do you live a life of integrity with your money? The fifth way to live with integrity is by mastering our money. This is financial integrity, financial integrity. Psalms chapter 15, verse 5, it says, Who does not accept a bribe against the innocent? Who does not accept a bribe simply means this, that your values cannot be bought. Come on. That you cannot be bought. That money is not your master. You master your money. Come on. And you have to ask yourself, is money my master? Money cannot be your master if Christ is your king. Oftentimes, if we're honest, this is a place that even I struggle with. Is his money our master? We need to master our money in several areas, and I'm just going to give you a few of them as I close today, as I wrap up. One of the ways we need to master our money is in earning. Everybody say earning. It is a godly principle to earn a living and work hard for your money. Let me say that again. It is a godly principle to work hard for your money, to earn a living, and to work hard for it. To earn your money. One of the ways you can master it is by earning it. Not have it given to you. Come on. To earn it. To work a... And, and, and actually have a hard day's work. There's something that's developed inside of you there's a purity that comes from earning it, and you live a life of financial integrity when you earn it. Second is this. One of the other ways you can master your money is by saving it. One of the biggest issues with all of our money is that we typically spend everything that comes in. And when you spend everything that comes in, you have nothing left for emergencies. You have nothing left for times when things come out of nowhere. You have nothing left for a big purchase at one point when you have a dream about something. The Bible teaches from cover to cover how you should not eat all of your seed. You need to learn to save it and store it for a different season. And by mastering your money, you'll learn to save. Number three, another way you can master your money is by spending it. I got to be honest with you. This is, I, I actually struggle with this part. Uh, some of us have buyer's remorse. I have buyer's remorse on both sides. I, I have remorse if I don't buy it. I have remorse when I do. And so, like, I'm stuck with money sometimes. And well, here's where that comes from. It's a poverty spirit. And poverty is not a, a financial status. Poverty is a spirit. It's a mentality. When you think that there's not enough, you hold on to it. And you never let it go. And by mastering your money, when you learn how to spend it wisely, learn how to spend it wisely, so don't be frivolous with your money, but when you spend it well, you learn how to master your money and you don't have to live in a cycle of poverty feeling like God's not going to provide or protect you or give you your next meal or give you your next paycheck or give you your next finances. I've said this before in other sermons before, your job is not your supply. It's just the way that God gets his supply to you. And so if you lose your job, that's okay. We're going to find another way to get his supply to you. Why would he do that? Because he cares about you. So don't live in a poverty spirit. Live in an abundance mindset. You don't spend it frivolously, but you do spend. And live life and enjoy it. And number four is this. Master your money by giving. 
One of the ways that I think that people struggle with life, and we all struggle with this, is just truly letting it go. I've noticed that the more you squeeze something, the more you kill it. And when you live your life squeezing your money, you're killing your money. And you cannot be generous when you're squeezing it. And learning how to live a life open-handed and be generous is one of our, four value, our five values here at Rise, is being generous and being generous with the world around us. And mastering your money allows you to be generous with your church, being generous with the people on the, uh, the, the, those who are down and out, the people who are, are disenfranchised, the people who are oppressed, the people who you see on the road, the people, the organizations, you get frustrated and you have all the reasons why you shouldn't and you have all the things built up in your mind and you have all the stories of saying where people abused it. It's not about them. It's about you and your moment and your relationship with God and your heart. The reason I give is not because I can, people can see that I give. The reason I give is because I know I get to tell my money where it's going. It doesn't tell me. I'm the master of my life under God. And since he gave it to me, I want to honor and reflect him. Four ways you can master your money. Today, the questions you should ask yourself when it comes to finances with integrity, living with financial integrity, is do I worry too much about money? Do you? Do you worry too much? Do you wake up, go to bed, worried, stressed, full of anxiety, fear about money? Am I using the money God gave me properly? I mean, that's a great, you should go back and audit your life. Go back and look at what you spend. I could tell you what you value by the based on what you spend your money on, where your money goes. This is a big one. Is money a God in my life? Is it an idol? Do you worship it? Do you do everything for it? Is all your life revolved around it? Do you and your wife fight about it all the time? Do you and your husband argue about it all the time? Is it the constant talk? Is it the constant motivation? Is it the constant thing that you worship and pray about? I'm telling you, you gotta be careful and not allow money to be mastering you. You need to master your money. We're having financial integrity. Five ways to live a life of integrity. Be a person of integrity today. Jesus said in summary, happy are the ones Come on, who live a life of integrity, for they will feel the they will feel and see and experience all of the fullness of God.